Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Sergio Rossini together with me. Hi, Sergio. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm fine. Or oh, I would say Gregorio. Greg is perfect. My mother would say Gre uh, Gregorio. Greg is perfect. Everybody knows me as uh, as Greg. Therefore, we can we can start from there. But today it's not about me. Today it's about you, about Sergio. You have really a long international experience, and I am really thrilled and pleased that you accepted my invitation to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. As usual, I asked our top player to introduce themselves, and therefore also to you, Sergio. Could you please uh, highlight your career? Okay, so I uh, let's say that I'm uh, an industrial engineer and I started working in consultancy three years, but then I joined the corporate, uh, uh, the corporate world, let's say. And uh, I had, uh, I call several roles that are interesting for CX because uh, each of the steps I've done during my career is kind of a preparation or customer experience. So I started in quality management, and I was responsible already for customer satisfaction, but for customer complaints and internal claims about spare parts and things like this. And then I was responsible for an SAP project, means uh, ERP implementation, and that's another perspective, and that changed the way we worked, but also changed the, uh, the organization. So I had to supervise the change management. And then uh, I worked uh, in the field with the profit and loss responsibility as a region manager. And that was eye-opening, as you can understand, for customer experience. <laughs> and then I was a sales and marketing responsible also for the contact center and for the strategies of sales. And then I worked at group level with a global responsibility about customer excellence. So the peculiarity of my career is that I worked in staff at country level, then I worked in the field and the operations, and then I worked at staff at global level. So these are different perspectives. And at the end, I entered the magic world of customer experience. Thank you, Sergio. I think this is really a broad and uh, deep experience in, in customer experience. And um, perhaps, could you please help us and let us understand which values drive you in life? Ah, okay. So, I'll say loyalty and trust. I'll say that uh, in a personal relationship and in professional life as well, I think that trust is the most important thing. Because if you want to feed the long-term relationship, you should trust someone. I would say that life is a journey, and you have many obstacles, and you have many fights, uh, and everything. But if you can find someone or, uh, or something to trust, then it's kind of a spot of a paradise, because you can be yourself. 
you are not what the fight makes of you. Because if you have to fight, then you have to act as a fighter. If you have an obstacle, then you have to think in terms of problem solving. But if you find someone who, who is that you trust, you can be yourself. I think trust is also the foundation of, of customer experience. And today, I think that's what we would like to discuss. We are going to discuss about the role of the customer experience professionals. It gets always a bit complex, more and more complex. It's, uh, you need to be able to handle a lot of different topics. And I am super happy and super thrilled that uh, we can discuss together with you, Sergio, with your international long-lasting career in, in customer experience. And perhaps let's really start. Um, you have a nice background, uh, playing field, a soccer field. Um, what is the field on which uh, customer experience professionals are, are playing? I would say that uh, it should be a strategic level, okay? But unfortunately, sometimes it's not. That very much depends uh, on the maturity of the organization you're working with, okay? So uh, that's one of the main points, I think, in customer experience today. I was a customer experience professional, as you say, at country level, at global level, I met hundreds of customer experience responsible, let's say. And the point is, where are they in the hierarchy of the organization? And which is their background? And which are their competencies and skills? These are key topics for me to be discussed in order to have a successful customer experience program or I would not say program uh, culture, let's say also in, in, the, in the company. And to me, um, what is very important uh, is uh, that sometimes when you talk to management, there is a kind of a gap between the words, the glossary that customer experience professionals use and what in the mind of management. So I think that, uh, in a way, top management is the customer of a customer experience professional. So you should find ways to listen to them, to learn about their needs, and to bring them the solution. In order to do so, you cannot uh, improvise. I mean, you have to, you have to, have uh, had a life in which you experience something that you can share so that you can understand. That's why it's important for me that among the key competencies of a, a CX profession, I would put uh, mainly muddy boots, means you, have, you need to have worked in the trenches and to get things done. And then I will put uh, street creed, means that if you want to bring change in an organization, that means that you need to have a solid reputation and uh, bring solutions to your teammates that have different targets and goals than you have. So my first 
suggesting is to help them to achieve their target, and then you will become useful for them, and then they will listen to you, and perhaps they will do something <laughs> about the things that you are asking them. And the last thing is you need to have the heart of the customer. I mean, we have to see the organization with the eyes of the customer, and you need to be very empathic toward your customer and be the customer advocate. So I would say that these things uh, all together uh, give you a position that you can talk to managers. Doesn't matter the level, it can be a branch manager, it can be a CEO, doesn't matter. But they have their own targets, so you need to know which are their targets, and you have to think, I am business, I am not customer experience, I am business. And we all together want to achieve business targets, and I think that the best way to do so is to improve the customer experience, but you have to prove it. I think you are touching a lot of, of really interesting topic and uh, let's unpack them one after the other, depending on how much time we have for, for this discussion. One thing it's that you mentioned at the beginning is um, the importance of the top management, uh, speaking their languages, their language and being part of this discussion, explaining to them the importance achieving business results and not something fluffy about customer experience and so on. In your experience, what's the best way to get support, approval and, and the, the, the resources required from top management? So, first of all, you need to have the right background in order to talk their language. They love numbers, we have to give numbers. <laughs> Whatever they want, you have to talk their language. So, my first advice is are the following. First, never go to a management committee to present something without having worked before together with all the members of the management committee one by one. First of all, you go to one and you say, we have this problem, I have this idea in mind, let's co-create a solution. What's your opinion? This is the first thing. And you have to do that with all the members, so that when you are in the room, it's already out uh, sold, <laughs> okay? You need to, to get the buy-in. Okay, and and then uh, you need to um, absolutely you need to bring some results, or you have to uh, to have them making the right experiences before taking decisions. So, for example, one thing that I made uh, in my previous life, <laughs> corporate environment, was. Uh, bringing all the management committee in the branches and not in the headquarters. Okay, so we structured the day like this. The morning, every member of the management committee goes out with the salesman to meet the customer. Okay, trying to sell, to solve a complaint, normal customer, not the account of big things, normal day of a salesman. And each of these members of the management committee went out, then came back, 
And then we made a kind of debriefing. Okay, there were also some specific things to test and so on. So they had the tasks. It was not like this. Okay. And then we are back and they they tell their experience. And then after that, we start talking business and we have the management committee. Okay. Doing so, they discover a lot of things. And also they show to the salesmen that uh, they care about their life. They're there to listen and to learn and not to, to give orders because giving orders is easy. <laughs> but from time to time you have to listen. And then after that you can build on that experience in order to put on the table the right problem and try to find a solution. So these kind of things are important, and of course, you need to add a kind of business plan of the investments that you ask for. Okay, but what is really important is uh, to create the, the the background and so to make to have them making the right experiences to have talked about the topic before. And then when you are at the table, it's already prepared. Otherwise, you are lost. You don't want surprises in that moment. You want to get a yes. You want to get a go. Okay. And in particular, among all the members of the management committee, there is one that is the CFO that should become your friend. So this is the guy you have to go to the coffee machine with. This is the guy we have to go get a pizza or something like this because you have to learn what's important for him and talking, having the conversations. He will tell you in advance which are his views that are different from the other ones, <laughs> that are very, I would say, dry, and as I they go straight to the point. Perhaps the CFO doesn't know operations, but he looks at a certain number, and they are the same number that the CEO looks at. The CFO and the CEO, they spend together a lot of time, much more than we do. They are at six professionals. So it's very important if you want to access the CEO to do that through the door of the CFO. Okay, so I don't know if I, I answered your question, Greg. <laughs> It's it's based on what you're saying. It's also in this field, in this world, it's about creating long-lasting relationship, creating trust, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning, and also leveraging the language of your, of the customers, in this case, the board members, the CFO, and so on. And as you are saying, it's extremely important to pick in particular the most important one. And as you said, it's the CEO taking the decision, but CFO sitting on, on the budget. And therefore, it totally makes sense. And I think that's 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 the reality and extre extremely important. Therefore, it's, it's fully answered the question. And perhaps could you please elaborate also on your second topic that you mentioned that I think it's, it's relevant for the audience is getting things done. You mentioned that at the beginning that it's uh, one key task of CX professional to do the things, but you said also it should be a bit more strategic uh, level. What's your view? What are your thoughts on this topic? Yes, uh, uh, I make you to 
practical example of things that I did. So it's not on just literature or something else. Okay, so uh, in a CX program, you listen to your customer, you highlight problems, you try to put problems and these kind of things. Okay, then you have the NPS or the CSAT or the customer effort score, you have some indicators and so on. But telling your audience we have 10% detractors and we want to have 9% detractors is not sexy and doesn't mean a thing. Okay, so you have to think differently. So how do you translate that? So first of all, you have, for example, the churn rate. Okay, the churn rate is euros, dollar, is, <laughs> is money. So they understand churn, okay? So what we have done, for example, is that we have created something like that was called customer impact map. The customer impact map was what? Was having customer uh, divided by operating revenue thresholds, for example, and labeled as detractors, passive promoters, or not survey, for example. Okay. And this gives you immediately the perception of the amount of money that is at risk in the company. Because if you are saying, okay, we have some customers that are the factors, their operating revenue overall is this number, this number is at risk. We have to use something. And when that number is high enough, you have the CEO asking for people doing things. Okay, so this is one perspective. And so customer impact map was an attempt to put a value on the abstract percentages of promoters, detractors, and so on. Another thing that we have done is, for example, the, um, the fact that the six books tell you that you make more money with promoters, for example, and less money with detractors. But then you check the numbers, and it's not always true. And then you have a problem, because you are saying we make more money with promoters. It's a fact. Then you check, look at the numbers, say, oh, perhaps it's not so clear, the picture. And so what, what is not written in the books? That, yes, you can make more money with promoters if you do something, if you try to activate them, because it's not by default that you make more money with them. So what we have done, we have labeled all customers uh, with the, the concept of, you can do that by operating revenue, but we have done more. We have, um, we have classified them by business potential. Okay, so not only the operating revenue, because perhaps you have one very big customer, but only from in three months, the operating revenue is poor, but it's not a poor customer, it's very rich customer, so the potential is high. So let's imagine that you have labeled all your customers by potential, and you do that together with sales and in other ways. And then that customer is a promoter. He gives you a hand. That the right moment, your door is open, he's there to listen to you, 
but you have to propose something. So we had in the past the closed loop using the net monitor system only for the fractures. Okay, that's half a solution. It solved one problem, but doesn't make you um, sell more. So cross-selling, upselling is not there. So you have a high potential customer, you have a 10 or a 9, you need to have already ready a proposal for him. Your customer, you are buying this from us, you are happy. Do you know that we sell also this and this and that we can do this and that for you? But already prepared enough so that you give a signal to your sales force. We sent out automatic notification by the system saying high potential customer, promoter, notification to the customer to, to the salesman, action required, do that. Okay? So that you have a system. It's not just your idea that you think it's nice to do that, but you have a system in order to do so. Okay? And then just to give you another example of something that uh, we did to transform the idea, the notion of customer experience that everybody has in business that in that particular market where, uh, that we were working in, you, you had customers, but your customer could have also some part of the business with your competitors. Okay, this does not happen always in all markets, but in that market it was like this. So we made the net promoter system, how light would you recommend my company and so on from zero to ten? Most importantly, why? Why you have given this score? Why a three? Why a nine? So that, that's we will talk about that later, perhaps, but that's very important. And then we asked, do you buy also from our competitors? Yes. Would you give a score to the competitor? Yes, they give the score to the competitor. Would you mind telling me the name of that competitor? Some will tell you, some will not. Doesn't matter. It's already gold for a salesman to know that you have a customer that is happy, and you have a customer that works with a competitor, is a happy about the competitor. It is gold for the salesman, go there and try to take more business. The other way around, is not happy with you, is happy with the competitor, high risk, please do something. And this was in the system with the notification to the salesman. And then asking, have you met the customer? Yes, not, which was the outcome and so on. So these are just ideas to, to give solidity I don't know, and to talk the same language of business people, because otherwise you lose them. It totally makes sense. It's thank you very much for these uh, these nuggets because these are really tangible actions, tangible frameworks that uh, people, the audience, can use and can leverage to to exploit the power of customer experience and to transform that in real business. It means profit or ensuring not, not losing customer. We spoke a lot about internal ways of uh, 
selling customer experience, improving the business. But you are also an expert uh, on listening to the customer. You mentioned something, having the eyes of the customer, listening, listening to them. Could you please elaborate a bit on, on the role of listening to the customer and also putting together what we learn from them with their emotions and so on? So... Uh, listening to the customer, this is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's say that uh, I will start with something you should not do that I see a lot around. So I work mainly in B2B, okay, business to business. So let's stick there uh, because this is valid there. So I don't think that making web surveys is a good idea, first of all. Why? because the response rate is from 2 to 5%. What does that mean? That means that only niche is answering you. So the result is already biased some way. Because who is answering you? The extremes, those that are very unhappy, those that are very happy and want to make compliments to someone. They want to name my aid. Greg was wonderful, okay? So they want to say that, so they will answer. Otherwise, they will not. So, the outcome of this kind of surveys uh, can create uh, uh, misunderstandings and can create strategic, uh, wrong strategic choices. This is one thing. Another thing that I would not do is uh, to torture the customers with 20 questions, <laughs> like many do. <laughs> And to cut the whole customer journey, 20 parts, and ask one question per part so that you are sure that you have explored the whole journey. I challenge you to answer those questionnaires. And the third question, you're already tired, your tension level goes down, and you start writing whatever it is, and it's not reliable. Okay, so this is wrong. And uh, another thing, we, 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 we can play a game together, Greg, on that. Let, let's imagine, let's imagine that uh, we are talking about uh, conventional sales, okay? So that we have this customer journey with the, all the characteristics of our product and service. And then we ask people, uh, customers, and they give scores, okay? So let's imagine for one moment that the football player Okay, is a brand, is a company providing service. So how do we rate a football player? Let, let's take a player that you perhaps know, Diego Armando Maradona. Okay, so we have Diego Armando Maradona, but we are objective and neutral, we don't know him, and we give scores. So let's start. What about his vision of the game? How would you, would you rate him from zero to ten? He was ten. Ten, wonderful. Then let's see his uh, headshot. Okay, was it good with the head, Maradona, with the headshot from yeah. zero to ten? He's more known for for he's more known for yeah. uh, for his speed, and uh, <laughs> therefore I would say seven. <laughs> okay, seven. Let's see the right foot. Give us uh, the right foot of Maradona. Nine. The right is is lefty. 
Yes, but it, it was good also with the right. He was able to shoot with both. He was playing most with the left, but we can say eight or seven. Okay, so you are, you are just destroying my game because my point was that the left foot is 10, but right foot is perhaps not so good. Okay, let's imagine for one moment that the right foot of Maradona is three or four, okay? So now the point is the following. If we say that the couple is always right, then we should have all the different aspects of our service good. Okay, so there is so this one element, the right foot of Maradona, that is not sufficient. So if I am a sixth professional, I will go to the management committee saying, hey, we have a problem here. We have one thing that is our couple, they don't like it, okay? Because it's, uh, it's not sufficient, so we have to improve. So we have to make a plan, we have to invest money on the right foot of Maradona, because otherwise we will stay on the bench, and I have another guy that has only six or seven, with average, but he doesn't create any problem. So let's implain. So this is absurd. What, I, what, what do I want to say? I want to say that improving everything always is simply wrong. What, what, what is important? What is important for me is your brand performance. Okay? So why do customers buy from you? Why do customers come to see Diego Armando Maradona? Not because of his right foot, but for his vision of the game, for his ability to use his left foot. Okay, and that's good enough. It's much more than good enough. Okay, so investing in that characteristics uh, of the service that is not so important for customers is simply wrong. And this is the problem that we have with the Sunsea's practitioner who goes to the management committee asking for money to invest in something that is not good for business, is not useful, it's a waste of money. So we should give a look to what's important for our brand promise, and that in other words is important for the customer, why the customer came to me and bought and buy from me, and we should put our money there and we should remove resources from elsewhere in being fantastic on something. Because if you are fantastic on something, the customer will come back to you because they will remember their experience. Their experience is memorable because you do something that is exceptional, that is wonderful, then they come back. But if you are average on everything, they will not come back. They will not remember their experience. They will go elsewhere. Okay? So apart from our difference of views on the right foot of Maradona, I, I hope that you've got the message. Okay. So what is very important is that we have to take decisions. What's important, what's not important. If this is important, then we put money on it, we invest it. If not important, then we remove resources and we put them where, uh, where it is important for the customer. So these kind of things. Then um, I, I, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, that's perfect. 
That's perfect. Thank you very much, Sergio. We are also coming to, a, to an end of this discussion. We are uh, over time. The game is oh. already finished, but I still have some questions for you. And uh, the, 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 the last one on the content. Um, in 10 years from now, we are here back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. What we are discussing about? I think that we will discuss about customer science. Customer science for me is artificial intelligence plus data okay, plus behavioral science means how customers make their decision. Okay. So you have to listen to them, but then you have to check what they tell you with data. And you have to use your artificial intelligence to elaborate and to think ahead in order to forecast the future. Okay, so I think that at the end, this customer experience game is a human game. So people are humans by definition, and they take decisions that are not always logical but that are driven by emotions. So we have not enough time to develop this point, I, I fear, but this is what I, what I see in the future, that uh, uh, we should uh, uh, learn about uh, uh, customer science. Thank you, Sergio. And about speaking about emotions and great experiences, I want to remember to the audience that what Sergio is sharing with us, it's uh, customer science. The first person I heard speaking about was Colin Shaw, and he, he was on the CX Goalkeeper podcast, episode number 100, and we discussed about customer science. But now back to this great experience together with Sergio. We are in the extra time, the last three minutes of the CX Goalkeeper podcast, this game. Um, three quick questions for you. Is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience because it helped you during your career or during your life? Yes, there's a book that I have also translated in Italian, whose name is Pain is Good by Samson Lee. Samson Lee was an Hong Kong professor, and he this is a provocative book. This is an eye-opener. This is a, a not, not conventional. This is fresh air, let's say, in the world of civics. So you cannot uh, uh, agree with everything, but it makes you think. Thank you. And uh, I am quite sure that people would want to, sh to discuss with you, want to continue the discussion with you. What's the best way to contact you? I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn is now the preferred channel. And uh, dear audience, please uh, follow Sergio because he's sharing great articles, great insight. I am also enjoying discussing and reading uh, what Sergio is, is sharing there. And now we are coming to the last question. Is Sergio's golden nugget? It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience? I, I have to say that in your personal life and your professional life as well, Perhaps, if you look around, the solution to your problem is already there. So you will have to learn, to observe, and to listen to the people around you. 
because you are not alone. You have not to invent everything. People around you have different views on things, and they can help you to have an holistic view and a good perspective on things. And these sometimes can diminish problems, and perhaps this give you the path to the solution. Thank you very much, Sergio. The only thing that I can say is it was really a great pleasure to have you on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And also to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. As you know, feedback is a gift. If you have any feedback, feel free to contact Sergio or to contact me. For the audience, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Sergio, please stay with me. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.